This is The Branches Podcast. We try to keep it simple in this family of faith, love God, and love people. Let's not make it harder than Jesus intended. If you'd like to know more about our community of faith, you can visit us at www.branchesoc.com. We are continuing our series, and this is probably one of the series I'm most excited about because of the content. It's just the words of Jesus, um, and our focus is not just sitting at the feet of Jesus, but listening at the feet of Jesus to his words with the intent to be disciples, students, apprentices, knowing that Jesus would only call us because he knows that we can become like him. He said, you will do greater things than even I. I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't say it, he did. It's in red letters. And um, so for this week, we're going to look at these words from Jesus. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So what does that mean? Don't be afraid. So we have to look at the context. What does it mean when he says, you will fish for people? Um, we, we meet right now. My good friend lets us meet at their church. And uh, George and I have known each other for quite some time. And his wife, Cheryl, and my wife are good friends. And so we've kind of grown up together in ministry. And I remember him calling and saying, we feel called to go plant a church. Would you join us? And we knew that God was also calling us to support them. And uh, it also works out that our ministries collided because we had a focus with teenagers. So it, it, it was a beautiful partnership and we were we were excited about what God was going to do. And so we were in a home with others that were planting it with us, and we had to come up with a name, right, uh, to define your group. And so it's an important decision. And I remember as we wrestled with it, and George says I came up with it. My, my memory is really fuzzy, but it doesn't matter who came up with it. It's, it was the symbolism and the, the picture, so the church is called the shoreline. Um, but the verse that came from that is the verse right after the one I just said we're going to focus on. And that verse was, they pulled their boats up on the shoreline. They left everything and followed him. And that's such a beautiful picture of what this community of faith was that we wanted to create. One where everyone that was there knew that this is the place, this, this is the decision-making time. You're on the shoreline. And on the shoreline, you have the choice to leave everything and to follow him or to keep your stuff, keep your goals, keep your world, and just stay there. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a critical time in our lives, on the shoreline. Um, so that, that, that name has a lot of uh, um, meaning to me for, for that church. Um, I think of it also when you make a decision like that, you need to have a trusted guide. You need to have someone that is calling you that you have your confidence in. 
And so in a very practical sense, when the Lord, when you make that decision to leave everything on the shoreline and then follow him, he's going to take you to places that are just as scary as that initial decision. It doesn't get any easier because he's going to take you out where your faith and your trust is going to be stretched. I remember George and I were uh, in Australia because we were considering whether the Lord was calling us to plant a church there. It turns out that he wasn't, and that was really clear to all of us that were involved in that. But while I was there, I got a phone call from my wife saying something really big happened. I'll tell you when you get home. No, you're not. I mean, this is like when you had to like, there were no cell phones at this time. So it was like really expensive to make a phone call. You had to have a card. And I said, no, no, we're going to, you got to tell me now. We're not going to wait a week or two till I get back for you to give me this big news. And the big news was that she knew clearly that she was being called to go and train teachers in Africa. Now nobody called her, nobody had a pamphlet. Uh, we didn't know where in Africa, the Lord just made it clear. It doesn't happen all the time, but it was very clear to her that she was supposed to go to Africa and train other teachers. Because as a teacher herself, she'd been giving all these resources and all these trainings, and she knew that God was telling her, you need to go share this. And that was very scary. Why, well, Africa is a mystery to us. Uh, the closest we've really come to Africa at that point was the Lion King. And that's animated. And so there's this, this fear, natural fear. And then, of course, with Stephanie, the fear came in, am I a good enough teacher? Why am I doing this? Shouldn't someone else be doing this? I'm, I'm just, I just teach kindergartners. Why, why me? Jesus says, do not be afraid. And so we're going to look at that in this message. Um, so open up your Bibles if you have them, because I want you to be able to look at these, whether you have a red letter Bible or not, I want you to be able to see the words of Jesus. So Luke 5, and um, we see right away uh, that something has happened before this verse, right? We're in Luke 5, 10. So I'm gonna give you some of the background before that. Uh, Jesus was standing by the lake and people were crowding all around him and it says that he saw these two boats. And uh, he says to Simon, because it was Simon's boat, uh, Simon is Peter, um, put out a little bit from the shore. Why don't you push it on out? And then he teaches from the boat to the shore. And so they had just come in from a whole night of fishing, because that's what you do when you're a fisherman in the, at the Sea of Galilee. That's where the fish are at night. They come up uh, at night to eat, and then during the day when the sun comes out, they go low. And so they're exhausted. So they're, and the way they would fish, they would fish with nets. It wasn't like a pole, it was nets. And so the, you gotta clean out all your, you know, the, the trash at the Sea of Galilee, if there was any there. Um, any of the foliage from the lake is getting stuck in there. So they're cleaning them out. They're getting them untangled, getting them ready for the next evening when they would go and fish. And so while they're cleaning this whole night of work, Jesus says this to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Okay, come on. Jesus is a rabbi at this point. But he's also a carpenter. 
but nowhere in his identity does it say, I'm a master fisherman. And Peter and the rest of the crew, this is what they've done. They've grown up doing this. They've been disciples before, but not to a rabbi, to fishermen, probably their parents. And so they know this is not when you go fishing. Not only are they tired, but why go back out and waste time when every good fisherman knows, even the people that aren't fishermen know, the fish are down low, they're not coming back up. But I love Peter's response. Master, we worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll go, we'll do it. Now at this point, Peter doesn't really know who Jesus is. I mean, he does, but he doesn't. This is more like there's, there's enough distance between them that he's being polite, but also reverent to him because he's a rabbi. He has a position. Going back to Africa, I was told when I was, um, at one, when I was in South Africa, they, one of the Africans that was there, he was actually from up in the other part of the continent, uh, in the Ivory Coast. He said, people are gonna call you pastor and they won't call you by your name and they're gonna be really reverent towards you. And he said, you are not gonna wanna accept that. You're gonna wanna tell them just to call you by your first name. Don't do that. It's a sense of honor that is part of the culture on our continent and especially in the Christian church. So accept it. Peter is interacting with Jesus similarly with honor, but he's not following Jesus yet. So they go back out and they fish and they catch so much fish that they can't even handle it. The nets are bursting. Um, and so they had to get their friends in the other boat to say, come on over and help us. We have so many fish. The boat is gonna sink if you don't come over here. We need you to kind of take some of it for us. And this is when it all begins to happen. This is what sets us up for those words from Jesus, do not be afraid. Because it says that Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now we hear Peter's words, but I'm pretty sure the rest of them, it says that they were astonished, which means they were probably looking at Jesus and realizing this is, <laughs> this isn't just that we got lucky catching a lot of fish. This never happens, it's not supposed to happen but it's happening. Is this the Messiah? Not just because they caught fish, because Jesus had this reputation that was growing, his teaching, there was something different. The whispers had started to go out, could this be the Messiah? But Peter falls to his knees, not just because he's in awe of who Jesus is, but because just like in the lake when the silt comes to the top, Peter recognizes who he is. He recognizes all of the ways he's fallen short, all of that that makes him unqualified to even be in the presence of God. If you ever get that blessing to be in the presence of the Lord, you'll respond the same way, realizing who you are compared to the perfection of the divine. So this understanding washes over Simon. Simon who will soon be Peter. And so in this fear, he falls to his knees. And yet we see 
that not only is Jesus telling him, you don't need to be afraid, but I will make you fishers of men. He's giving them a job. I mean, if Peter is going to say, I'm a sinful man, that's the perfect opportunity for Jesus to go, oh, okay, don't be afraid, and just leave it at that. It's like, whenever we hire someone, we ask the question, is there anything that you need to tell us now that we'll be really disappointed if we find out about it later? And so Peter's laying all that out. And so it's the perfect opportunity here for Jesus to say, all right, well, don't be afraid. I'm going to move on. But he says, don't be afraid. I will make you fishers of men. He's given him a job. He hired him right there on the spot. But you can imagine Peter is still thinking, I'm unqualified. Get away from me. Not because I don't want you around, but because I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I, I know that we struggle with this. All of us struggle with this. We feel that we're not qualified to be in the presence of other people, as if we fall short. Uh, I have a, someone I know. Actually, there's several people I know that are in this situation where their kids were in public school, but be, for one reason or another, with the pandemic, they, their kids were not doing well. And uh, they had the means, barely. I actually don't know if they had the means. Maybe they took out a loan. But they put their kids in private school. And so they were invited to a, a function where all the other moms were going to be there. And uh, they went to this event with the kids and the parents. And the mom said this. She said, I don't belong here. I don't fit in. And what she meant by that was, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not qualified to be around these people. You feel like that before? I have. I have a friend, another friend, who years ago was talking to his mentor. Uh, he had just transitioned jobs. Uh, he was in ministry and he left and, and went outside. And so uh, he had gotten married now and they just had children. And he felt like a failure. Um, and so he basically said to his mentor, kind of like Peter saying to Jesus, I'm not qualified to be in your presence. Except he was saying, I'm not qualified to be a husband. I'm not qualified to be a dad. I'm failing all around. And he was falling into a depression. And his mentor was just brilliant. Because he said this, he said, did, did your wife say that she's frustrated with you, that you are letting her down, that you're a bad husband? Did she say this to you? No. Your children, are they communicating to you that you're not a good father, that you're falling short, that you're not giving them enough time, or that you don't love them? Are they saying that? Or is your wife saying that about your parenting? And his response was no. And he said, so you're not failing then. You're fighting a feeling of failure. It was a clear clarification. And maybe you need to hear that. Peter did. Peter's like, I I'm a sinful man. I've fallen short, which is the first step. We're qualified when we confess to God 
that we're not qualified because we aren't. He qualifies us. And so in the same way, my friend was being told by his mentor, you're fighting a feeling. You're fighting a lie. Don't you think these apostles felt a little underqualified for the job they're being given? I could just see them talking to Jesus. Wait, wait, I don't think you heard Peter clearly enough because we're in the same boat with him, by the way, in more ways than one. Do you realize we're basically a group of misfit people? I mean, think of the people that Jesus is, is collecting. Not just the fishermen, the, the tax collectors, the zealots. He's just got a mishmash of people. They're blue collar. What do you mean you, you're calling us? If you're the Messiah, why are you calling us? We're not ready for this. But Jesus' response is, don't be afraid. And by the way, the way it's structured in Greek, it's a command. Like, you need to get over this. You need to get over this feeling because I know who you are. The first step is for us to confess that. And there are many things that we know will be destructive to others. That doesn't mean we don't follow. In fact, he gives them a job, but he doesn't give them all the responsibilities right away. He just says, follow me. You will be, you will become, the time will be ready for you to be fishers of men. Now, when you get to that point, you're not gonna have everything fixed, but he's gonna mold you and shape you. And the most destructive behaviors and things that you're doing, he will heal you of. So what do we do with this? These words, don't be afraid, I will make you fishers of men. Could they be for us? The first step is to confess that you're unqualified. And that qualifies you. And you're not doing it to get the job, you're doing it because you need to be honest with yourself. There's nothing wrong with being sinful because we all are. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And when we don't admit that, then we're not qualified. Um, in fact, for us here at Branches, when we look to hire people, we would never hire someone or take one of our, our members and put them in a position if they were to come to us and say, you know, I'm kind of a great leader, I'm a great teacher, I'm kind of a big deal. So you will be very fortunate to have me. We've had that before. Uh, it's those that we know when we talk to them and ask them, would you consider this? They're going to feel unqualified. They're going to feel unworthy. But our confidence is in our Lord who will make them in who they need to be. And we want them to get over their fear. Don't be afraid. And when Jesus calls us, he's calling us to a mission, a job. And all we have to do is follow. That's all that's required of us. Follow him and let him not only qualify us, but mold us to become like him for this work that he's gonna be giving us. And so we see what these disciples 
do, because at this point now, they're disciples, they're students, they're apprentices, because it says here, they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything, including their fear, and followed him. Now that doesn't mean the fear doesn't come back, but we keep our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of faith. And I love this picture of Peter because before they even reach the shore, Peter's career as a fisherman, it's over. He leaves behind a business with a steady income, a secure future, but what he gives up in boats, nets, fish, and security, he gains because what he gains is Jesus. I want to close with this prayer by uh, an author who I, I think is brilliant, Ken Geyer. And uh, in his collection of books, which he calls Moments with the Savior, um, he prays this over this verse for us, for himself. Help me to be faithful in little things like cleaning nets, knowing that they could be your way of preparing me for greater things like fishing for men. Help me to obey simply and solely because you say so. And keep me from thinking that since I have fished a few waters that somehow I know better than you the course of my life and what it should take and the place my nets should be dropped. Call me, Lord, out from a shallow faith near the shore which requires no risks and offers no rewards. Call me to a deeper commitment to you. And when you call, grant that I would be quick in my boat swift to my oars, and fast with my nets. And I pray, grant me the eyes to see who it is who labors by my side, an awesome and almighty God. Take me to a place where I have worked hard by my own strength and yet ended up with empty nets. Take me there to show me the depths of your dominion and the net-breaking fullness of your power. Keep me ever aware that you are Lord, and ever aware that I am a sinful person. And in that knowledge, keep me ever on my knees before you. At your bidding, O oh Master, I will let down my nets. And at your bidding, I will leave them forever behind. For what you have to offer is infinitely more than all the seas of this world ever could. Amen. God bless.